<clears throat> so, uh, guys, it's been a week. You ain't lying. It's been a week. I had, people, I had people refuse to leave work on Sunday oh, because shit. it wasn't two o'clock in the morning. Well, what's your open time say? Uh, midnight. So, what you're saying is they were haunting the bar? <laughs> wow, you're going to go with that? <laughs> was you it could resi- say that. It was residual. <laughs> I figured it was a very active haunting. Was it intelligent or not intelligent? No. <laughs> no. It was not an intelligent haunting? No. <laughs> Not even a little bit. Well, welcome to Creeps in the Crypt. (laughs) As always, I'm Eric, and I am joined by... Sam. Christian. And slow. I know. Mm. (laughs) I was listening to too much of that, that we were were talking about tonight. Our our (laughs) pre-research. Yeah, (laughs) pre-research. You gotta have a little bit of floor play before we start doing Mm. the podcast. I mean, you gotta diddle some things. Well... Jogs and things loose. Whoa, don't you talk about Sam when she watches Ghost Adventures. <laughs> I I'm can't. sure she had some hands-on research this week. Um, wait, wait, what do you do oh when it, uh, he starts yelling at Aaron? Is that like the trigger? <laughs> oh my God, that's like one of my favorite parts of the whole show. That's like the climax of the party. <laughs> Get in that room by yourself. <laughs> I don't want to, Zach. No. It's an abusive relationship. Don't make me, watching. Dad. You're literally watching an abusive relationship. Why do you gotta take it down that road? It's funny. And speaking of abusive relationships and ghosts. Oh, that's how we're that's how we're introducing it. Yes. <laughs> well, it has both those elements. It does. You're you're not wrong. If you haven't figured it out, we're talking about ghosts tonight and spooky mm. stuff. We're back on our spooky shit. Sam, take it away. <clears throat> we're gonna take a dive into uh, the Penhurst Asylum up in Pennsylvania. Mm. It is west of Philadelphia. I'm so excited. About mm. <laughs> Are you? I knew this was going to get you excited. As soon as you said asylum, she, I was like, Penhurst! Penhurst! <laughs> She's been wanting to do an asylum since we, for so long. Literally it's asylum since we April. She wanted to do a month of asylums, and I <laughs> said, mm, let's put a there pin can in be, that. Oh, can, Dad said no. Can you, I get at least two? Not back to back. No, not bad to bad. Cool. Compromise. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we might be. We'll see how this one does. We'll, we'll see how the numbers are on this one. <laughs> I think it'll do well. Anyway. It'll probably be better than your goat man. Don't you dare talk about the goat man. <laughs> it'll probably be way better than that one. That was just an episode of you just. How many goat noises can I make in one episode? <laughs> it's fair. <laughs> I, I, you well, throw shade, catch shade. You know, there's two more Goatman bridges that we could talk about. Oh, God. I could take a nap. You have before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not on this show, but the old show. <laughs> she definitely uh, was chin to tit a couple times. It's probably because something boring was going on, and I was just like... This no, I think we just drank too much before we started. Yeah. Back when we used to drink heavily and record the, a similar show to this oh, one. Oh, it was a show. Old Trash Bats shout-out. Oh, my God. First episode, was- first episode Sam <laughs> wakes us up on the couches. <laughs> wakes- I did. The monsters are gone! And then I forgot to plug the, uh, the roadcaster into the computer. Yep. Yeah. I remember that. Was that St. Pat? No, when was that? 
that was like January or February a couple years ago. We've gone out. No, we went day drinking. Yeah, y'all went day drinking. Oh, sleep, sleep. Mm Mm-hmm. Jackson comes to the door, and he's like, they're asleep. And I'm like, what? Yeah, I definitely probably, I didn't need to go to an asylum, but maybe, you know, a rehab to dry out. I did make Eric in one of our wedding vows promise me that if I finally snapped one day, that he would put me in a nice, like, asylum, and he would come give me conjugal visits. Yeah, perfect. And he was like, yes, I will tell you that there are ghosts in your clothes. And that way you just. That's the best way to get a girl out of her clothes is tell them there's ghosts in them. You want to do some cocaine about it? <laughs> All right. Well, let's get on to Pinhurst. So, of course, Zach Bagans has been there. Called it. Was it. only a matter of time before we circled back to that. <laughs> I will never miss an opportunity. Did you circle clockwise or counterclockwise? Don't worry about that. <laughs> you keep your secrets. <laughs> The Penhurst State School and Asylum was originally named Eastern Pennsylvania Institution for the Feeble-Minded and Epileptic. It was approved in 1903 and opened five years later in 1908, and it welcomed its first patient on November 23rd of 1908. The 1,400-acre, 30-plus building, state-funded and operated school and hospital was meant to house anyone who was deemed, quote, feeble-minded and unable to function in normal society. This included physically and mentally disabled people, people with, quote, abnormalities, both physical and psychological, and mute, deaf, and or blind people. It also included people with, quote, offensive habits and imperfect speech. Chronic masturbators. (laughs) That was last week. Yeah. <laughs> or a lack there of it. Impure thoughts. Um, when patients were first admitted, they had to be classified physically as either imbecile or insane, mentally as healthy or epileptic, and dentally as good, poor, or treated. So uh, I'm assuming treated is like they've been to the dentist. What a yeah. wonderful like melting pot. It's diverse. It could into chaos. I feel like Penhurst is the dollar store version of Professor X's school <laughs> for oh the, the mutantly gifted. <laughs> it's just like, what's your superpower? Well, if I see uh, flashing lights, I seize up and piss my pants. <laughs> Perfect. I like to touch myself a lot. Impure thoughts. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. He's got a web shooter. Does he make his own paintings? That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Jeez. (laughs) What is that thing where you, uh, you like put glue on a fucking piece of paper and then like dumped glitter on it? I guarantee he made some fun art like that. With, with. I'm here for. Yes. That's where I was going. I just just wanted to make sure we were. I thought you were talking about the actual like. Uh-huh. No, no, no. I was talking about his penis. Oh, yeah. Like the the hypothetical <laughs> mongoloid's penis. <laughs> Went out right over my head. A web shooter. Well, I think it's going over my head. It's fine. There was probably that. Yeah. There was finger painting, <laughs> at least with something. Some with kind of bodily shit. Some kind of bodily fluid. Ugh. <laughs> Poo paintings. <laughs> you want to see my sculpture? It's Fred. <laughs> no. 
I made it with my butt. <laughs> if you take away the horrible and tragic things that happened here at Penhurst, it is a beautiful campus. The older buildings are made of red brick with granite and terracotta trimmings. It was built to be entirely self-sufficient. Penhurst had a power plant, farmland, hospital, morgue, barbershop, firehouse, and other things needed so that they never had to leave the property. For things that they couldn't provide for themselves, they were sent in on a private rail line that brought supplies from the outside world. The facility could operate without any interaction with the surrounding community, and that was the way they preferred it. Yeah, they they really shipped these people yeah. off that were burdened, like their families. This is just a testament to like how shitty the stigma was on any type of mental disorder, mm -hmm. and still is to this day. It's like I don't want to deal with you. I'm sending yeah, you away. Um, they just send these people away to go mm -hmm. live in a home, or. When all the mental institutions shut down, they uh, just dumped them out on the streets. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the reason we have all the free range crazies running around now. Some of the buildings are connected by underground fireproof tunnels to make moving patients around easier. And bodies so nobody could see them. Not too. Uh, so we're already off on a great start. Great yeah, this start. seems like a recipe for disaster. It's all going to go downhill from here. Aside from it being a beautiful, sprawling campus, there is nothing good about Penhurst. <laughs> no, nothing. no, I feel like we've hit the highlights. Like, the, yeah, the good the highlight points were now. <laughs> I wonder how long it took before it, like, really, they were like, oh, shit, this is a terrible idea to have uh, all Five these years. Five years before yeah. they realized yeah. it was yeah. a terrible idea to have all those, that many different disabilities all in Just one. wait. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. It's going to devolve into bedlam well, real You know quick. what, like, instant gratification. Downward spiral oh, uh, happens yeah. now. We are on the downhill. <laughs> There's yeah. no more up from here. <laughs> As time went on, Penhurst was pressured to house immigrants, criminals, and orphans. It soon became the solution to ridding society of all of the quote undesirables the building's rooms were built for two to three people per room max and it was originally designed to house no more than 500 patients now why do i feel like it's gonna house way more than that oh yeah we just but wait there's more all right by 1912, Penhurst was already overcrowded and the staff was no longer able to give proper care to each patient. So I lied, it was four years, not five, four years for it already, it's already overcrowded. We're already, it's downhill, done. There's a ton of people there. Yeah. With a lot of shit going on. Oh, yeah. It was a common fear of those that they called undesirables that created the need for a place like Penhurst. But in uh, 1913, local legislator created a commission for the care of the feeble-minded, which declared that disabled people were both unfit for citizenship and a menace to the peace. Those are direct quotes from the commission of for the care of feeble-minded. So at this point in time, um, these people were viewed as like, 
burdens to society, mm-hmm. and they basically wanted to sterilize all these people. Yeah. Put I'm, them in I'm a getting, place. Getting, oh, okay. All right. Let me not jump <laughs> in. We're getting I, too excited about I this didn't one. pre-read the notes. <laughs> it was meant for those who fell under feeble-minded to be taken into custodial care by the government. It was basically created to keep the disabled and handicapped people out of public and away from the normal people for everyone's safety. I'm using air quotes. I can't see it, but I'm using the air quotes. Look, back when I smoked cigarettes, there was many times where I'd run into one of these people on the street wanting to bum a cigarette for me, uh, from me, and uh, some of them had bird shit in their beards. I'm just, I'm just gonna go there. Mm. Very dirty, dirty yeah. people. And they also kept them from procreating. This, uh, this commission of the care for feeble minded kept them from procreating. Like it wasn't. Well, you have to remember eugenics was also a big thing around this time. Yeah. Which you know, we all know how that ended in Germany. <laughs> Which meant that Penhurst would become even more overcrowded because now they have to take it's a it's a more broad ranged um, requirement, I guess. It's it's a lot more lax than just being mentally disabled, handicapped and all that. Yeah. Now it's criminals, orphans, immigrants, uh, literally anybody. Suspicious character. Even. Yeah. Anybody. So if you were like mentally challenged you were in there with like violent criminals yeah and And they didn't set they didn't really they separated them into low functioning and high functioning but we'll get well it's put a pit in that we'll get there so most of the people who were living at penhurst weren't technically insane um just mentally disabled autistic or suffering other serious physical impairments some residents just simply had learning disabilities or hyperactivity and emotional problems that made them seem more impaired than Damn they it. were i knew i would be stuck somewhere Girl, like that fine <laughs> maybe right nice. whole, fine. just that whole sentence that you just read right there we could be roomies <laughs> she's got pms and she gets a little lippy Send her to Pinhurst. <laughs> I think that has happened before. <laughs> she has hysteria. <laughs> Break out the dildo. <laughs> Shut up. So these people with the just the learning disabilities, the hyperactivity, and emotional problems, they ended up in the high functioning wards. Oh, at least I'm high functioning. Yeah, I mean, so, <laughs> I, I, mm. they get to Sometimes. sit at the lunch table with the popular kids. It's just, we got to use forks. <laughs> no, no spoon to cut your steak. Nope. nope. I doubt they it gave them special. any sharp objects. <laughs> no. These staff at Penhurst would punish the high functioning patients by making them work in the low-functioning wards. No, fuck it. I want to be in the low-functioning. Well, they needed staff. They were Mm -hmm. understaffed. So when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Mm -hmm. Or in this case, mongoloids. (laughs) They even referred to these low-functioning wards as the punishment wards. Many of the patients who acted out in the high-functioning side, they weren't bad kids. They were often victims of bullying. These bullies would attack the kids with broom handles and do much worse. And, of course, 
the bullies wouldn't really get caught that often. So when the victims acted out, they would be the ones sent down to the low-functioning wards and made to clean up after the severely handicapped residents. I kept seeing these people referred to as inmates, and that was just freaking horrible. The asylum staff would often tie the patients to their beds and leave them alone for hours, if not the whole day. The patients would be a mess by the time the orderlies got around to them. Yeah, there's just shit, shit was, all in the beds. Mm -hmm. it, they, they literally shit the bed and yeah. figuratively shit mm -hmm. the bed. Yeah. Ugh. Quote, problem patients were often drugged to keep them calmer. That sounds like a great idea. So like idea. the aggressive ones, I mean. Sedation. The staff was even reported to have removed the teeth of a patient that bit another patient or staff member. That was actually one of my favorite facts that I that read. That would be your favorite fact. The the, it was like, <laughs> they had a dentist chair specifically. This happened so often that years after Penhurst closed, people who visited the campus would find teeth in the tunnels. Make a necklace. This, Established like, dominance. Thank <laughs> God the toy box killer never thought of that trick. Oh, God. Tunnels or the teeth? Oh. oh. <laughs> I love no. how they both got that at the same time. I can't wait till we cover him. <laughs> I already have the notes done for him. It's fine. Just let me know. Mm. Just anytime. 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 I'm going to get it done. Yeah. By the 1960s, it was home to 2,791 people. What? And it's only supposed to have five. 500. It's supposed to house 500 That's a lot of people. patients. I refuse to call them inmates. Were they sleeping in the tunnels? Mm. They probably had people stacked in each room. I would say and those rooms weren't that big. No, they would have. I mean, it would be like five or six. I'm, I guess I don't know. I'm being big space. I wonder if they had them in shifts in those bedrooms. Oh, like, like sleeping, maybe. But during the day, like well, yeah, they become nocturnal. That's even freakier. Just a bunch of... Because you like, just walk down the hallway and they're just like standing in... No. A bunch of crazy people no. just running around. Going, it, was, it was a lot of rocking and stuff from the video. That makes it even worse. I don't want to come down the hallway and see Jimmy rocking himself in the hallway. No thanks. I'm good on that. One of them walks so up to you and be like... Hard pass. Life is like a box of chocolates. Don't you disrespect Forrest Gump. Oh. Jenny was a whore. Well, I'm not going to disagree there. <laughs> Most of the patients were children, and despite Penhurst's label as a school, only 200 of the residents were in any kind of educational programs that could have helped improve their condition. Many were high-functioning enough that that would have improved with that, like, edu like the educational programs, it would have improved their care, disabled, d disability, I don't know, but... Fuck like that, rip their teeth out. That fixes the problem, right? <laughs> drugs. Per every, yeah. Drugs and no teeth. So that fixes it, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Sleeping in shifts. Yes, that <laughs> part. Penhurst only had nine doctors and 11 teachers on staff. And none of them had the necessary training for special needs people. 
Not one. The uh, the main doctor. Uh, I don't know if we bring him up in the notes yet, but uh, uh, no, you can bring him up now. That's fine. Doctor Fear was his name. Oh, what a fun name! Yeah, he's actually in a video bragging about how he rips uh, patients' teeth out of their head if they bite. No matter how old they were, he would call them children. Yeah, he's a real sicko. He's a like like this story what? reminds me of the remake of a House on Haunted Hill. Yeah. It's very much a house on Haunted Hill or Grave Encounters. Like there's a crazy doctor yeah. doing inhumane experience on uh, experiments on patients. That was a Criminal Minds episode. Oh, well, there you go. I mean, it's it's a really <laughs> interesting um, prospect because I'm sure a lot of this shit happened where these guys were doing pseudoscience <clears throat> to write a book or some shit on these mental patients. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the administrators interviewed in this program realized that they were falling short of their ideal treatment. No, no shit. But with a crumbling building, a budget shortfall of $4 million. And back in those times, $4 is probably more like I, 20 Something like that. Their, their hands were tied. There's nothing they could do. They're working the best with what they got. Yeah, and it's not even the best. Bullying ran rampant and unsupervised. This is what's believed to have been the real reason for so many, quote, accidental deaths and suicides at Penhurst. And I'm willing to bet there was also a lot of rapes and molestation. Oh, yeah. A mm -hmm. lot. Because you, they can't be everywhere at once. I'll put a pit in that. Okay. In 1968, Bill Baldini, a reporter for NBC 10, which was TV 10 back in 1968. It was an NBC like affiliate channel. It's like the only <clears throat> one of the only 10 channels on TV. <laughs> it was the 10th one. Duh. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I the last know. one and then he restarted. <laughs> and then he restarted. To the Damn. snow. <laughs> I wanted to watch Saturday morning cartoons, not this depressing documentary. <laughs> oh my gosh. So Bill did a short five-part TV series on Penhurst, which was named Suffer the Little Children. Highly recommend. Yeah, if you haven't seen it. It's horrible. You can find it on YouTube. You can. It's an hour and 30 minutes mm -hmm. of horror. Yes. It's great. Yes. Not great, but. Uh, not great for the people involved. <laughs> no. It painted a picture of neglect and abuse. Many people were appalled by the images that came across their TVs. Some images were of people chained to adult-sized cribs and children in cages. Patients were shown rocking, pacing, and twitching. Bill asked one patient what he would like most in the world if he could have anything he wanted. And his response was, quote, to get out of Penhurst. Shit. Yeah. It was horrible. And it was the, not fun to research. Now... I mean, it's kind of fun, but not fun. It's fun. I don't know if you get into like the production of this documentary. No, I didn't. I didn't go so, that far. That is one thing I did research. Okay. So then take it away, sir. Bill Baldini uh, had to relieve his crew several times to like take a break because. It was so graphic and intense that they were literally mentally disturbed. And this dude was like sleeping in the office 
the women's bathroom of the office during mm-hmm. the editing because they were just on it the entire time. Normally back then a, a news scoop was about a minute long and the first part of this five part series was seven and a half minutes. So yeah. they really went full bore onto this. It reminds me of American Horror Story Asylum when Sarah uh, Paulson's character. It's very much like that. Mm. Uh, it actually wasn't based on Penhurst. It was Willow Creek in New York or something like that. Ooh. Willow Brook. I don't and Willow something. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's in New York. Interesting. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not sure. Come forth. Someone will co- someone will correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. It's fine. There was a lawsuit against Penhurst from Terry Lee Halderman. I thought it was a girl. Never specified. I just assumed Terry with an I was a female. But it's a dude. Well, you know what happens when you assume. I'm making, making it. Yep. Out of you and me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was a patient there and his parents came to visit him. That part was a little murky because a couple articles and reports said that the parents were the ones that filed. And then what we watched said that he was the one that filed, but he had bruises all over his body. And that video said it was like what? 40 injuries Mm -hmm. or something like that. Insane. One was including a broken jaw. Yeah. Broken broken feet, broken... Mm-hmm. He, he was fucked up. Like, yeah. somebody beat the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. Terry alleged that the school violated the rights of those institutionalized there. Well, not allegedly, actually. Specifically, the 8th and 14th Amendments, as well as several state and federal statutes. The case wasn't expected to go very far, Uh, Because the 11th Amendment prevents a citizen from suing a state directly, but a citizen can sue a state official for injunctive relief when that official acts in either an unconstitutional manner or contrary to federal law. So he couldn't sue Pennsylvania, but he could sue the, like, representative of Pennsylvania, basically. Hmm. The courts would eventually find that the conditions of Penhurst were deplorable, to put it mildly, and violated the 14th Amendment, which is no state shall deprive any citizens of the U.S. of life, liberty, or property without due process of law or deny any person within its jurisdiction of equal protection of the laws. So they're just breaking all kinds of shit here. All statutes, all of it. It's horrible. Well, they've... Gone, they've gone unchecked for decades. Yeah, like six decades. Yeah. Almost seven. So they've gone completely unchecked, unsupervised. And that's why this Dr. Fear dude is experimenting on patients. and mm-hmm. Pulling teeth. Yeah, ripping their teeth out of their head. Ugh. and God knows what else. They also violated the Pennsylvania Mental Health and Retardation Act of 1966, which ensures the state has adequate mental health and mentally disabled services for all who need them, regardless of religion, race, color, national origin, settlement, residence, or economic or social status. You're just, oh. not, you're just not liked by the town, so they sh- the town just exiles you to the Penhurst? Yeah. <laughs> Possibly the most chilling part of the series by Bill Baldini was 
one of the hospital's physicians was telling about how he dealt with a vicious bully who had brutalized one of the other patients. Um, he talked about how he asked one of his colleagues uh, which injection he could use to cause the most discomfort to a patient without permanently injuring them. And then he proceeded to administer the injection to the bully. Holy shit. With lots of air bubbles. Well, the air bubbles would kill them. Yeah. That that was fun. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So they're, they're just causing pain and misery no matter what happens. Yeah. From this point on, it was just a matter of time before Penhurst would close its doors. But it took two decades of legal actions, federal judgments made and then overturned, and Penhurst's growing financial crises for the facility to have shut its doors. Um, Terry's lawsuit was the final nail in the coffin, I guess. Um, and once the, I think it took like three judges to get this result. Oh, I because it was a it, black eye on the state. Oh, yeah. There, there was literally a newspaper article front page that says the shame of Pennsylvania. And it's Penhurst. <laughs> so, Not a good look. No. No. But it's okay. I, if, how I understood the lawsuit, because I, I read the whole, I read off like 40 pages of it. Um. If what I read and comprehended... Give me the cliff notes. It took three separate rulings. It, it went to three separate judges to finally get Penhurst to shut its doors. So this, I mean, no one wanted to deal with Penhurst. No, I mean... Because like, know, well, what would they do with everybody in Penhurst? Yeah. That was doors. probably more the thought process. Yeah, we can't... Yeah. These people's families sent them away for a reason because they didn't want to... They didn't want him around. Or they didn't, didn't know how, maybe. That and the stigma of that in that time period, probably not good. I believe that at the, in 1908, when it was built and opened, that they might have had better intentions. I believe that. But poor execution. Oh, yeah. Well, that law really ramped things up. Yeah, but that wasn't until 1966. But the stigma around the mentally deficient and challenged and everything. Oh, the um, 1913 one. The yeah. commission. So the stigma around that class of people mm -hmm. was extremely negative. In fact, oh, yeah. the Kennedys even had their daughter lobotomized. Yeah. And uh, she was a freaking vegetable after that. Yeah. She wasn't worth a shit after that. She no. was... Really sad story. We should cover that one day. I'm down with that. Penhurst was at the head of the human rights movement that revolutionized the U.S.'s approach to health care for the mentally and physically handicapped. This place was one of the most striking examples of the maltreatment that was unfortunately pretty normal in these institutions, like Waverly and uh, Eastern State in Kentucky. No, why really is in Kentucky? I don't remember where the other one is. Uh, There's a lot of them. The, yeah. Mm -hmm. At one point, like I said, the papers labeled Penhurst the shame of the Pennsylvania. So, there's that. In, For shame. <laughs> shame on you. 
I want to say there's still a couple of these places active. Um, well, I know all the major ones are shut down. Yeah, but I want to say there's one out in Morganton, North Carolina, named Broughton, still mm-hmm. open. You want to say there was one open Broughton in Hospital, uh, Utah, until like the early 2000s. Like, why the hell open? And it was shit. Yeah. <laughs> In 1983, remember when I told to put the pen in uh, the second mm. assault? Take the pen out. We're talking about it. In 1983, nine employees were indicted on charges that range from assaulting patients, of which some were in wheelchairs, to arranging patients to injure each other. So it's like fight club. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Jesus. Yeah. Were they betting on this? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. It was... That's what charge. it's like living with Tyler Durden. <laughs> um, all I can think of <laughs> is the scene from Kill Bill where the guy's like, my name's Book and I like to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> sexually assaults Uma Thurman. The court's decision to close Pennhurst was the first time that that was ever done based on a constitutional right and to uh, community services. This case would go on to become an important precedent called the Penhurst Doctrine. Shortly after Penhurst closed its doors in 1987, and this the Terry's lawsuit happened in like the 60s, I think it was. Well, the fucking documentary did too. And it was yeah. videographed proof. And it took another 20 years to get them to shut the doors. Fucking insane. Yeah. The Department of Military Affairs acquired the upper right portion of the campus. It didn't. It it just said shortly after they closed its doors. They didn't. I couldn't really find an actual like. Oh God! Time, what was like the a, military doing in there? Uh, it was open as the Southeastern Veteran Center. Oh, wonderful! Perfect. Uh, that was dripping in sarcasm. <laughs> In 2001, the state of Pennsylvania began acknowledging its duties to maintain historic property, specifically relating to Pennhurst, which didn't really do a good job of maintaining it. It's still horrible. The Pennhurst Memorial and Preservation Alliance was formed to advocate for certain uses of the property. As of 2010, they've renovated it and repurposed it into the Penhurst Asylum Haunted House. But I believe it's just one building in like one area of one building. I think it's the Mayflower building. Is it the Mayflower building? So based on what I was reading, they I think it was the Mayflower building. And then they slowly opened up the tunnels once they got them cleaned out. Yeah, I'm sure it's real clean. I'm using air quotes of what air quotes of what was down there. Oh, they didn't clean out all the ghosts. No, but they cleaned up the mess. I mean, the amount of energy in that place. What a good spot for a haunted attraction. Oh my god. Mm -hmm. Just even if there's not any like intelligent hauntings, which I'm sure there are. Mm -hmm. uh, Just the residual energy in that place is probably just thick. Oh, yeah. There's certain spots that are, like, major hot spots. Mm-hmm. And some of them are, like, what you said. Like, they're just, some of them are residual. They're just sounds. They're not yeah. intelligent. Yeah, it's just, And like then in energy. some of the other spots, it's, you can hear it and you can feel it. It's yeah. crazy. So, uh, 
the haunted attraction has been pretty successful despite the controversy from locals and those who were previously affiliated with the asylum. Um, not really sure, but you know. Let's take Grandpa to Pinhurst uh, <laughs> for Give Halloween. A PTSD. Oh attack. no, they're taking me back. <laughs> He's got dentures because they removed his teeth. <laughs> now on to why we're really here and talking about Pennhurst, the spooky stuff. Yeah, we've covered the history. Yeah, we covered this, which was really fun. Honestly, now not it's fun. Time the topic the, wasn't fun. I just like research and like. Now history. it's time for the creepy part. Yes. Timothy Smith, CEO and president of the Penhurst Paranormal Association, is the son of the current property's owner. He believes that the high occurrence of paranormal activity at Penhurst could make it very profitable, like Waverly Sanatorium and I think it is Eastern State, something like that. Um, those two are also turned for profit. Tim told Weird New Jersey that his goal is to restore the better part of the property with the end goal of creating a museum and historical tour open to the public in efforts to educate the public in in the errors of previous generations and commemorating all the lives that were spent there. Which is a good goal, I guess. It's a good way to repurpose it. The official research team for the Penhurst Asylum is the Shore Paranormal Research Society. They're a team of trained specialists whose job is to discover truths behind claims of paranormal activity. Jim Ansbach, Shore Paranormal Research Society's founder and case manager, said that Penhurst is a hotspot for the paranormal. I mean, duh. Any place that held, like, that much... Negative energy, abuse, and, and tragedy, and death, yeah, trauma, all of it is gonna <sighs> be a hot spot. Shore Paranormal has conducted many large scale investigations of the property, taking photos, video, and audio recordings in several of the non renovated buildings, as well as the like ones that have been updated, yeah. Um, but they primarily focused on the untouched ones. They reported numerous sightings, mainly in the Quaker building. Inside there were many shadow figures appearing to manifest and disappear at will. These include what appeared to be a young girl with long dark hair and a large hunched figure with dangling arms. Something Roy. inhuman. Ooh. Yes. Items have been seen moving while no one is near them. Some things have even been thrown across the basement. Other investigators have reported physical interactions with spirits such as shoving and scratching. Marks will still be visible well after they've left the property. There were also multiple electromagnetic frequency spikes recorded while in the building, the Quaker building, despite there being no power currently supplied to it. So that is a, um, like a sign that a spirit is near. EMF meter. Yeah, that thing. I couldn't think of it. <laughs> uh, one of the most well-documented occurrences in the Quaker building at Penhurst are EVPs. Voices can be heard saying, quote, go away. We're, we're upset. 
why'd you come here? I'm scared. Why won't you leave? And the ever popular, I'll kill you. I'm just trying to make my poop statue. Why are you in here? (laughs) Screaming and crying can also be heard without the help of recording devices. In the, I'm going to go down the list of buildings that have the most activity in them. There you go. Cool. In the Limerick building, there is an apparition of a woman in an old nurse's style uniform. And she was seen by a firefighter, police officer, and a Marine, as well as multiple EVPs. She's literally like one of the nurses from Silent Hill. She mean. She's not nice. She's not nice. Turn on nice. In the Devon building, there are unknown sounds and also multiple EVPs. The Mayflower building, which we talked about earlier, has shadow people, EVPs, and investigators have been touched in this building. Woo! I don't think in a good way. Oh. (laughs) The Tinicum building? Ooh. Come, come. Has... (laughs) <laughs> also has EVPs. At this point, it's safe to say that every building that I'm going to talk about has EVPs. We're just, yeah. An investigator also had their legs touched in the Tenecum building. I bet they did. Just crawl right <laughs> at the pants leg. Yeah. <laughs> in the Philadelphia building, loud sounds and voices can be heard coming from the building. Investigators ended actually surrounded the building and they went in via the underground tunnel system, and no one was in the building, nor could they have gotten out without being seen, because they had every they had the whole thing surrounded. Yeah. There are multiple voices that can be heard in the administration building. There's also a recording of what sounds like a toilet flushing, but there is no running water or bathroom fixtures. Somebody's getting there. swirly. Someone did. <laughs> oh no, you flushed my poop statue. Um, I watched the Penhurst episode of Ghost Adventures today. I Shocker. Bet you did. Um, <laughs> um the one of the girls that they interviewed actually has a tattoo of the administration building as like a tramp stamp. I saw that. That's hot. Well, that is dedication. <laughs> Very much just Took it to another level of dedication there. Yeah. And finally, in the Hershey building, an investigator reported hearing the voice of a little girl on the third floor. The Hershey building. (laughs) (laughs) There's where your poop statue is. Yeah, that's. No. <laughs> I've got a golden ticket. No. Is it pee? Just no. some fat kid that looks like Augustus Gloop. Just shit all over his mouth. Um, my drink almost came out of my nose. Fuck you guys. <laughs> I know that there was lots of arts and crafts and face painting going on. <laughs> no. <clears throat> Look, I made it glittery. I ate the glitter. (laughs) (laughs) An anonymous submission on Weird NJ's page on Penhurst says, quote, when I went to Penhurst at night, it scared me halfway to death. Only halfway? I guess only halfway. Only halfway. Okay. When the wind blows across the buildings, it sounds like someone walking. There were dead animals there and what looked like blood on some of the equipment. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Once is enough. I'm never going back. But there was this one room that was really interesting. 
It was strewn with papers and photographs. It's carpeted in them, wall to wall. I didn't read the papers, but the black and white photographs looked like something from a family album, which that's sad. End quote. Oh yeah. They he had, said, like, "If my family's fan- not going to be here with me, I'm going to bring them here." I wonder, that's creepy. I wonder if the doctors and nurses, like, they're, when they died, their souls are drugged back to that place. I hope so. I have a feeling that that would be something that would happen. Like, you can, I don't know, just like karma's way of coming back. Mm-hmm. Oh, you were a shit human being. You get to live here forever with the people that you tortured. Mm-hmm. That's probably why. I mean, the energy there has to be just like palpable crazy like i said it, the air is probably like really heavy mm-hmm. and it's probably really freaky because from the pictures i saw a lot of the roofs are caved in mm-hmm. so you're probably like the wind blowing through you're probably hearing the actual like building itself like twisting and shifting mm-hmm. super freaky yes but at least they're working on like Restoring it, yeah. kind of. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to use all 30-plus buildings for. But. Well. Well, I guess one's a haunted gonna attraction. It's going to be one awesome haunted attraction. Ooh. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that's that's going to do it for Penhurst. That um, was fun, sort of. Uh, yeah, it's, like, sad, but. I enjoy history and research, so that I knew, side I knew was fun as, for me. Yeah. But not the time. It really, like, all jokes aside, it is really sad yeah. how uh, the mentally challenged are viewed in this country to this day. To this day. Yeah. Not as bad as back in Penhurst days. How bad would it but be I if guess... you were a ghost and you died a very tragic death and then somebody makes it a haunted attraction? I would fuck all the shit up. Yeah. They, I'm sure that's, like, like, traumatic for any spirits that are there that are intelligent. Um, They're like, oh, people. Oh, these people, petty. these people are here well, for entertainment. Supposedly, some of the actors in the haunted attraction have been scratched oh, yeah. and fucked up. Good. Mm-hmm. I would so, too. Smacked, even. Yeah, they like smacked in the back of the head. Yeah. All right. Well, it's time to drop the socials. First and foremost, thank you guys for listening and keep hitting that download button, like button. Make sure you guys follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Not going to shoot any. Stairs over there at Sam. <laughs> shame. Shut up. Shame. Yeah, shame. <laughs> Next um, week you have to bring your own statue. <laughs> please don't make it out of poop. Uh, <laughs> brown clay is fine. Um, Heard. 10-4. Make sure if you guys already followed the show on your uh, podcast platform of choice, your auto downloads are on. Mm-hmm. That's how we know you guys are listening. Uh, you guys have really liked the Heaven's Gate series. So, y'all are eating that up. Yeah, let's keep on trucking. Um, I can't wait till we see what we do next week. Yeah. yeah. Stay creepy. Stay creepy, guys. We'll see you next Friday. Bye. Bye.